All right, well, we're looking at questions 53 through 56 this evening. Popular topic, but it's overlooked about taking the Lord's name in vain. So look at question number 53. It says, which is the third commandment? The third commandment is, and this is Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is such a popular commandment, but in my own study, and my own growth in the Christian life, I've come to realize how little I actually understood this. That we, we underappreciate the gravity of this one. It just seems like this is the, the uh, command, like, don't use God's name as a curse word. And that's it. But it's more than that. We're going to see that, because look at question 54. What is required in the third commandment? The third commandment requires the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. So it's, this is a commandment forbidding something, but the catechism is looking at it from the positive side first. Not what it's forbidden, but what are we, what are we supposed to do positively in this? Which is not the way we typically understand this commandment. Typically, when we hear this commandment, we teach it to kids. It just means don't use GD or don't say Jesus' name when you stub your toe. And that's it, and we move on. But this is unpacking a lot more here for us that we should have a holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. Six things. So the names, we look at a passage like Matthew 6, verse 9. This is when Jesus is, being, is answering the question his disciples asked him, would you teach us how to pray? And he says, yes, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That when Jesus is telling them how to pray, he says so much in that first, uh, he says pray like this, that first admonition. Our Father in heaven, you get to call God your Father. That's amazing because he's in heaven and you're not. You should not be able to address him as yours in any way. But then the second thing is, hallowed be your name. And it's important that it says, hallowed and not holy is your name. Hallowing that we do to, to reverence the name of God, that before we start in the prayer at all, we're going to say, God, your name is to be hallowed, to be treated as most holy. That I'm not taking your name and speaking it out loud towards you in some kind of flippant, irreverent way that I want your name, I want it to be known to you and set my own heart aright when I begin to pray that your name is holy and I recognize that. And God's always had the same kind of reverence because in Deuteronomy 28, 58, which we'll look at more further later on um, tonight, but he says, God says, if you are not careful to do all the words of this law, if you're not careful to obey this law as you guys are going into the promised land that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name the Lord your God. You must be careful to do what's written in this law because that's what the fear of the glorious and awesome name of the Lord looks like. That his name is glorious and awesome. That is important. So his name. Next, Catechism says about the titles, a holy and reverent use of his titles. Psalm 68, 4 talks about this. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides to the deserts. His name is the Lord. And, and if you have another translation, uh, I know the King James and then maybe the NASB also says his name is Jehovah. 
Or in Hebrew, it's just, it's just Jah. It's, it's just the, the first couple of letters of his, his most holy name, Jehovah or Yahweh. Exalt before him. That, that title. And, and all of the other titles that we see in the scriptures. Counselor. Wonderful God. Uh, Father. All of these titles are supposed to have a reverent use of these names and titles. But also his attributes. It, it's interesting how the Westminster Divines connected God's name to his attributes that you can't pull them apart. And the same is true for us, right? I mean, when we think about the use of somebody's name, you think about who they are, right? Benedict, traitor, Judas, traitor. Just based off of that, their attributes, but it's associated with a name. But Revelation 15, 3 through 4, talks about this uh, in the way that there's the, the God is being worshipped in a future scene. That these gathered saints, that they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and awesome are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is, this is who you are, God. You're almighty. These acts go before you. They speak about you. That, that just and true are your ways. The attributes of God, meaning his, his omnipotence, his omniscience. I mean, on down to his aseity, his, his sense of being. That this is incorporated in it. That this is, a, this is a theology proper commandment. This is not just a, hey, don't use potty language commandment. But after attributes comes the ordinances. That's what we read about in Malachi. Malachi 1.11 and 1.14. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. God has ordained this. My name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations. Says the Lord, I've ordained that my name will be great. In verse 14, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock, meaning a, 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 a good, strong, perfect sacrifice. A male is what it had to be, a male sheep, a male goat. You take that and you vow, it. yeah, I'm going to give this one. This is the best one I have. And then you sacrifice to the Lord what is blemished. You switch it out when it comes to the actual killing because you want to keep that male for breeding purposes to make your flock stronger instead of giving it to God and trusting him. And what does God call that? For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Meaning that you, how you behave towards me is your reverence for my name, for good or for bad, for better or for worse. After the ordinances is his word and then his work, his word. Psalm 138, 1 through 2, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Before all false gods, I'm, I'm just proclaiming God, the one true God. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and for your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. I mean, what do we, I mean, we used to say in our civilization that your, my word is my bond. Or, hey, my, my name is good. You know, if, you, if, if my name's on it, then it's good. Your word and, and your name were so paired together, like a reputation of sorts. And that's 
what we're seeing here. That you've above, you, what is he exalted above all things? His name and his word. They can't be divided from each other. And then lastly, his work. Job 36, 24. Remember to extol his work of what men have sung. His work, is, you can't separate it from him. Now consider all that. We just looked at all those six things. They're all tied to the name of God. But that's how we function, right? When somebody says a name, that there's a na- what we, we say in our song, oh, that name is synonymous with X. If we say, um, oh, man, what's a good mobster name? Capone. Right, you think Capone, you go, oh, bad guy, right? That, that name is synonymous with organized crime. Or you think of an, I mean, another name, Hutchins, that's synonymous with tasty barbecue, right? Like you, your, your work is associated with that, right? That, that the, the biggest name in marketing or the biggest name in, and we say that name, 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 but it really is connecting to reputation, what you do and who you are. And, and, and that's, so that's not foreign to us, it, but it, we're thinking about it on a grander scheme because all of what's tied to God's name his attributes, his ordinances, I mean, his, what I've ordained to be true about me, his word, I mean, all of it is tied. We, we, we call this God's word. This, that, that's what it's, his name is tied to it. That we, that we say, what does the prophet say? Thus says the Lord. The Lord has spoken his name and his word all knitted together. Now, that's what's required. We see the positive that we're supposed to not just refrain from using God's name wrongly, but we're supposed to positively exalt his name, holiness and reverence when we talk about the name of God because of everything that's associated with it, his attributes, who he is, what he does, his work and his word and his ordinances, what what will be true one day. Like he said in Malachi, everybody is going to bow to this name one day. And what has Jesus been given by God? A name that's above every other name. And what is written on him, the name that nobody knows in Revelation 19, right? That only God knows. This name is significant. So that's what's required for us to have a reverent holiness for it. But what's forbidden? This is question 55. What's forbidden? The third commandment forbids all profaning or abusing of anything whereby God makes himself known profaning or abusing of anything whereby God makes himself known. This is also Malachi. I'm going to read you some of the skim verses that we read through Malachi. A son, Malachi 1, 6-7. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? This is why. By offering polluted food, you're, you're using the altar as a trash heap. You're just throwing worthless animals that have all these maladies on there and calling it a sacrifice. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. And then same chapter, Malachi 1.12. But you profane it, my name, when you say the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. And then Malachi 2, 2 connects it again. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. 
And then Malachi 3.14, here's where it ties it up. You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of, of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? We typically relegate this commandment to just don't say GD. Don't, don't use Jesus' name as a curse word when you're frustrated or, or shocked or something like that. Don't make it common by just saying his name a whole bunch in ways that are usually sometimes negative or derogatory. And then we move on. But that's, that's true. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't use God's name as some kind of derogatory um, exclamation of frustration that is profaning it in some sense, profaning it by meaning make common. But what, is, what do the divines have in view here? There's all these Malachi verses. You're worshiping, saying that you're worshiping God, but you're not. You're coming to the altar with all of these garbage animals, and, and they're, they're worthless. And then, you're, and then you ask, well, how have, we, how have we profaned your name? He says, you profane it by polluting my worship. That's how you do it. And then you said, it's vain to serve God. Serving God like he really wants is worthless. What, what is the profit for that, to really do that? But yet you have the name of God on you as a Jew, as an Israelite. The name of God is on you, but yet you've taken it upon yourself in vain. Do you see that? How could somebody, how could somebody take your name in vain? It wouldn't be like somebody like stubs their toe and goes, Ah, Mickelson. Ah, oh, Mickey. Or like they go, Ah, oh, man, you really birded that one. Or like, oh, you know, like you, you could do that over and over. And then people would go, Eventually, it would just lose its meaning. It wouldn't be that big of a deal, right? But, but if you really had a sensitive heart, and, and they were always, that your, your name became synonymous with messing up or doing something wrong, that would be offensive, but not the most offensive. What would be most offensive is if you got married, and she took your name, and then she takes that name in vain. How could she take that name, your last name, in vain? If we're the bride of Christ, and that's what we're being commanded to do, how could we take God's name as our groom in vain? We would put it upon ourselves in vain. And what does vanity mean? Emptiness, worthlessness, no intention of actually following through. I took your name in vain. I said, yes, I am with the people of God, and that is my Groom, that's the lamb of sacrifice for me, and yet you live exactly the opposite. That's what Malachi is written about. Malachi is saying, you guys are calling yourselves priests, but you're not doing anything that priests are supposed to do. You're saying that you worship God and you're going to give him sacrifices, but that's not what you're doing. This is what the third commandment's all about is false religion. It's, it's easy believism coming home to roost. You've taken the name of God upon yourself in vanity, and you've profaned it. How do you profane it? Because I say I'm a Christian, but I completely live the opposite way. I've said, no, but, and this is what Christians do. I'm doing it. That's the same thing as offering these worthless sacrifices on the altar. You've taken God's name upon yourself 
in vain, worthless. Like what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all of vanities. Or it could be translated, emptiness of emptiness, all is empty. Or worthless or worthless, all is worthless. You've worthlessly put the name of God upon yourself. You've taken it in vain. And when we think about it like that, it makes sense because when we, when we normally just relegate it to don't say God's name as a curse word, we're, we're not taking his name, we're, we're spewing his name, right? We're, we're projecting his name. But taking it, putting it upon yourself, like what do we say when a woman gets married? She takes his name, right? Yeah, she's taken his name. And, and, that's, and what do you do with your children? You, you give them your name. That's why old school discipline used to be don't ruin the family name, right? Like, don't, don't ruin the family witness. Don't, my, I got a good name. That's all I got to give you is a name. And there it is. Don't, so don't ruin that name. Don't take it upon yourself in vain. And if you live like a heathen, then don't tell them your last name so they don't know that you're associated with me. This is what the third commandment is all about. We claim to be a Christ one, a Christian and yet live like a pagan. We've taken on the name of Christ, but it's in vain, and we've profaned it by living the opposite of him. So what's the reason annex? This is the last question. The reason annex to the third commandment. The reason annex to the third commandment is this, that however the breakers of this commandment may escape punishment from men, if the Lord our God will not suffer them to escape his righteous judgment. So the, the reason annexed to it, and not all the commandments have that, is you shall not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It doesn't just say, don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's, here's a reason why he's not going to hold you guiltless. And the Catechism explains that by saying that the breakers of this commandment, they may get away with this here in this life, but the Lord our God will not suffer them to escape his righteous judgment. See, that's where Deuteronomy 28, 58 through 59, where we read earlier, that's the full context of that verse. Deuteronomy 28, 58 through 59 says, If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then... The Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sickness grievous and lasting. I was going to read this, but we don't have time. But in 1 Samuel 2 and following, 2 and 3 really, you have the whole Samuel becoming a priest and he's in Eli's house. And what's the problem with Eli's sons? Why are they not going to become the priests that continue it on? Hophni and Phinehas. Is because they are just like the priests in Malachi. They're, they're taking advantage of the women who come to worship. They're, they're stealing food right out of the pots of the worshipers, taking more than what they should have as priests, and taking the portions that should be sacrificed, and they're eating those. So what was supposed to be God's, they're taking for themselves. And so God tells Samuel, that's the story that Samuel uh, is in all the children's Bibles. Samuel. And he runs to Eli, yes, you called me. And he does it three times, and then he says, no, God's calling you. But then he never, the children's Bibles never go on to say, what did God actually tell Samuel? And what God told Samuel was, hey, I'm going to judge Eli and his sons. They're all going to die. 
gruesome deaths. His sons die in battle, and Eli falls off the back of a staircase when he hears about that, breaks his neck, and dies. That's what God told Samuel. That doesn't make it into the children's Bibles, unfortunately. But nevertheless, that's the case. And why? Because Eli, as a priest, has taken the Lord's name in vain by not disciplining his own sons, who are now priests, taking the Lord's name in vain. We serve the Lord, but yet we say we serve the Lord and we are of God's people, but yet we're living like the worst of pagans. So the name of God is weighty, and taking it deceitfully upon oneself has dire consequences. That's what the third commandment is trying to tell us. How serious about his name is God and those who take it. I mean, Mark 14, I mean, this, this is the greatest offender of all time. Now, this is Judas, right? I am with Jesus. He makes it through all of the levels of persecution that's going on until the very end. And he had taken Jesus' name upon himself in vain. And what that person, what does Jesus say about that person? Mark 14, 21. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And that's nothing but a commentary on the third commandment. God says, he will not hold him guiltless who takes my name in vain. Judas seemed to escape punishment here in this life. I mean, he killed himself, but that was self-inflicted. He didn't get punished by the Pharisees or the Romans or Jesus. He escaped punishment in some sense in this life, but he did not escape it in the next. So shallow, vapid, easy believism, that kind of Christianity, that should cause greater concern in us than it does. Because that's what this is all about. We don't want to assist in the violators of the third commandment. That there should be a, a gravity to the gospel presentation. We shouldn't be just trying to get everybody in as much as we can, as fast as we can, with as little discussion or commitment as we have to get. To just get them in and get numbers and get what we have. It should be more serious. Because we don't want to help people violate this commandment. God's serious about his name, and so should we be. More so than we just make sure we don't use it as a curse word. It's more about taking his name upon yourself as a reputation of who he is. Let me pray for us.